0: Welcome to Healthcare Upside Down with your host, Dr. Nick Vanterhaven, and brought to you by ECG Management Consultants. You can learn more about the show on the program's page at healthcarenowradio.com or on our blog at ecgmc.com hud. The U.S. spends more on healthcare per capita than any other country on the planet. So why don't we have superior outcomes? Why haven't the principles of capitalism prevailed? And why do American consumers have so much trouble accessing and paying for healthcare? Each week, Healthcare Upside Down will dive into these and other issues with ECG principal, Dr. Nick, and guest panelists as they discuss the upsides and downsides of healthcare in the US, and how to make the system work for everyone. And we end with your better pill to swallow, the conclusion to today's episode with insights on challenges and changes that improve healthcare. Now, here's your host, Dr. Nick.
1: Hello, and welcome to Healthcare Upside Down with me, your host, Dr. Nick. This week's episode, breaking the healthcare monopoly and monopsony. How many businesses can you name where common items for sale can range in price by a factor of 50 or more in the same state? Would you buy something without knowing how much it costs and agree to pay whatever is charged when you reach the checkout? Well, that's the state of affairs in healthcare, where common procedures used for basic screening of disease can be impossible to find the cost until after undergoing the procedure. Remember, there is no returns in medicine. So at that point, you are committed to this contract and the price you pay varies by large orders of magnitude. We have seen the impact of digital exchanges in the transportation and hospitality industry that has brought about complete disruption and brought effective competition and the associated decrease in prices to everyone in a sustainable and vibrant sector. With the unfolding pandemic, we have seen a relaxation of market restrictions, opening everyone's eyes to the potential market reality of a competitive marketplace. But as Mickey Tripathi, the National Coordinator for Health Information Technology at the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services said recently, too many hospitals and medical groups are falling into the trap of minimal viable compliance, aiming for the lowest possible information sharing to meet the minimum legal requirement. My guest today is David Johnson, author of two critically acclaimed books and the founder and chief executive officer of Foresight Health, a thought leadership company who seek to empower the status quo busting innovators to create the new healthcare system. Dave's perspective is informed by his background as an investment banker seeking ways of delivering healthcare that is smarter, kinder, and more affordable.
2: Welcome to the show, Dave. Delighted to be with you, Nick. So, uh... Healthcare exchanges—is that the future, is that the way that we're going to disrupt medicine? Uh, I I believe it will be. Uh, we've seen exchange digital exchange companies uh, completely disrupt and transform other industries, such as transportation and hospitality. And there's nothing intrinsically different about healthcare that wouldn't allow that type of business model, an Uber-type business model, to to come into healthcare and and disrupt things. Uh, what's getting in the way are our regulations and uh, quite honestly, kind of monopoly and monopsony uh, market power by by payers and providers. So um, this will help break all that down. And it would be a great day for the American consumer when that happens.
1: But this is a big shit that you've got to change and steer. Uh, are we going to see some of these companies go the same way as the uh, gold medallion taxi cabs that uh, got disrupted? And uh...
2: Devalued ultimately. Yeah, well, I w- I was looking the other day and, and saw this this fact that kind of jumped out at me, that the price of a colonoscopy, you know, one of the most common diagnostic procedures in the state of Virginia, uh, ranges from two hundred dollars to twelve thousand dollars. So more than a fifty-fold variation for what I would consider a routine procedure. Um, so we have this artificial economic environment within healthcare, where prices are more a function of gaming a payment system and and market leverage than they are of any type of intrinsic supply-demand relationship. And what exchanges have a remarkable ability to do is to create level field competition with transparency that will drive the price of a colonoscopy to a market rate, not one that has 50 fold variation. So Take that example and apply it across uh, routine healthcare procedures which probably constitute 75, 80 percent of what healthcare does and you begin to get a sense of what the magnitude of impact could be.
1: So I, I'm in for that, but I, I'm going to push back. We don't have access to the data. there's no uh, capacity to get to that information at least not in an easy. To consume format, I mean, uh, we we've heard from one of the leaders of HHS talking about uh, the minimum viable compliance for data <laughs> distribution. Uh, how do we get over that?
2: Well, um, I I I agree with you that the, the compliance on the the industry side has been um, you know dismal. The way we're going to get around it, though, uh, in my opinion, is that the marketplace is organizing to take advantage of the excess acute care capacity that, that's in the in the system right now. Um, you know, I'll just give you one example. Uh, we've known forever that hospital at home, well, not forever, but since the 70s anyway. We've known forever that hospital at home. Um, costs less money, Uh, patients recover faster, there are fewer complications. Uh, They enjoy being surrounded by friends and family. And yet it wasn't until Medicare in the midst of the uh, COVID crisis last November said, okay, we'll pay for a hospital at home visit for the same way we would uh, a hospital visit. And suddenly that that market has exploded. Um, It's worked in countries several countries for a long time. The VA has had a hospital at home, successful hospital at home program uh, forever. So suddenly, uh, through COVID, there's a crack in the acute care armor and independent companies, Contessa, um, uh, Medically at Home, Dispatch, are out in the marketplace cutting deals and consumers want to go there. So I believe we're going to see reorganizing of healthcare supply-demand dynamics, and there'll be a fairly dramatic uh, decentralization of care out of these high-cost centralized locations uh, into the home, into clinics, uh, onto virtual medium, and so on. And as that happens, it will get much harder for hospitals to continue to kind of justify prices that are are way beyond the, the scope of anything we could conceivably justify, just like, you know, over 10 grand for a colonoscopy. It's crazy.
1: But listening to you, what I hear is it either requires a disruptor that comes in uh, yeah. and a government change. So the disruptor in this case, pandemic, and a change in regulations, those seem like two sort of extraordinary. How do we make this the ordinary Innovation that's going to revolutionise. Because I listen to you and I go, well, I want to pay the two hundred clearly for the colonoscopy. (laughs) I was having the 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 opportunity to have that uh, examination, Um, but it feels like I'm not getting to it.
2: Well, I I I, uh, I, in my second book here, this is what my marketing person uh, calls uh, placement, uh, uh, product placement. I spent a lot of time talking about the healthcare industrial complex. Uh, there's a military industrial complex, but the healthcare industrial complex dwarfs that. And that, that occurs when um, the different parts of an industry work together with, with Congress um, to, for their own benefit at the expense of greater society. So you've got uh, the bureaucracy, the industry and Congress and those have been that has been the primary obstacle to uh, to getting rational pricing rational supply demand relationships into healthcare it's part of the reason we have such a maldistribution of of facilities you know affluent neighborhoods have abundant clinics uh, poor neighborhoods rural neighborhoods don't so we're we're spending more per capita than any country and getting kind of crappy products and services for it and I think, by and large, the country is figuring this out and has had enough. Um, the good news is record amounts are flowing into um, private equity and venture funding to, you know, support companies that are are starting to do some of these kind of exchange-like mechanisms. So uh, the industry, I think. Um, has historically won by being defensive strategically going forward. I think the systems, and there are many of them out there, the provider systems that recognize that the past is, or the future won't be like the past and that they need to really get on board the value train, better outcomes at lower cost, uh, will ultimately be the winners. That uh, continuing to cling to uh, an artificial fee-for-service payment model that uh, generates revenues well in excess of, of the value uh, provided uh, just isn't a long-term strategy for success. There's kind of too much lining up against that. Um, but as you said on on regulation, I, I don't think the market can do this alone. Uh, so we need government to create level field uh, playing, comp- uh, playing um, conditions. And absent COVID, the two biggest stories of 2020 would have been the interoperability uh, regs, which are forcing the EHR providers, among others, to give up basic patient data so these innovative companies can use it and create solutions. And then the transparency information on hospital uh, insurance company prices, uh, which as it's coming out is kind of embarrassing everybody. So um, data interoperability and Pricing transparency are two of the ways that you start to get that level field competitive market environment that I believe needs to be the basis of market driven reform. So in a bottom up sort of way, we drive toward better outcomes, better customer service, greater convenience, all the things that we're used to in the rest of our consumer lives.
1: But you, you talk about this and, you know, I'm going to quote your term, I think, data liquidity. Yeah. I think that's the foundation of all of this. Yeah. We have these two releases, but I don't feel like there is been a delivery of that information in a form that's usable? Is there something else that has to happen to drive the market that will push them to actually turn it? Or does it require an intermediary? And that to me means more cost. If somebody else is involved, you're gonna potentially, oh yeah, I can sort this out, I'll process the information, but then you just got another layer, no?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you're right about uh, data liquidity. Data wants to be free and free flowing uh, data Libre, you know, uh, and it wants to, to go to the places where it can provide the most good. Uh, I don't think you should undersell, uh, the importance of those, uh, interoperability rules that came into place last year. Uh, Epic, the big, um, EHR company fought that with every fiber of its corporate being and lost. The day that those regulations went public, if you went to the EPIC website, you wouldn't have seen any of the things that you usually saw, you know, there wasn't a homepage, there wasn't who, It was a series of case studies about what would happen if uh, healthcare data flowed freely, how it would harm the American public. I mean, it was, it was straight out propaganda. And anyway, they lost. Um, so it is now the rule of the land and it's gonna take a while for it to take effect that companies can come in and reach down into the data sets and collect the information. I mean, we shouldn't be, you shouldn't get paid in this country for hoarding basic patient data. You should get paid in this country and in the industry for taking that data and creating insights and um, new ways of doing things that lead to better outcomes and and lower prices. And so we put in place that infrastructure um, and I guess the other thing I'd I'd say is that the cloud analytics um, are racing ahead (laughs) with remarkable speed too. And we have an ability now to put data overlays, they're not intermediaries, but data overlays that can take disparate information, structured and unstructured, bring it up into a platform in a secure way so that the analytics can take hold and they can be applied. So. I think it'll be a combination of better regulation and better technology that will allow the data to flow. The data to flow freely. That's a lot of F's in one sentence. So anyway,
1: I, I and you know I think the opportunity of that data and you, again something you describe is that liberated yeah. data saves lives. It, it delivers. Yeah we've gotten into this circumstance, there's this hoarding of data, which, you know, is is just unacceptable. Why is it taking so long? Surely, you know, that's the regulation. Are there no teeth to the regulations? Why isn't there more of this now? I, I mean, it just feels like somebody turned the spigot on. We should all be drinking from the tap, but not- certainly. Yeah,
2: yeah. Well, I, I, I don't think you go um, from initiation of a rule to Immediately uh, uh, realizing its benefits, there were there is some staging and so on, but it it's coming, um, it 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 is coming, and as I say, it's getting a boost from the the technology side of things. I, I I guess you the the one thing I will say is you just can't underestimate how powerful this healthcare industrial complex has been in terms of controlling the marketplace and uh, honestly, so many of these companies have gotten a higher return walking the halls of Congress and state houses to prevent real challenges to their their franchise that um, uh, they actually aren't ready for real competition. So um, I, I personally think we're going to see more change in healthcare in the next 10 years than we have in the last 100 years, and that's probably a topic for an entire other show. But uh, a big part of that's going to be driven by new data-driven digital business models that really allow for much more um, constructive buy-sell relationships. So we're no longer at the mercy of, uh, you know, I need a procedure. I, you know, I just go get it and then you tell me what it's going to cost after the fact and I'm, I'm appalled and uh, we send people into bankruptcy and so on. I mean, that's just got to end. Um, so, and there's a lot happening in the marketplace um, that's got real teeth in it that, that that I think has the status quo trembling for the first time in a very long time.
1: So, I, I, going up against the status quo, this enormous machine that yeah. you know essentially not only makes money but also employs a large proportion of you know many marketplaces yeah. that yeah. is fighting. You know, interesting to hear that sort of push back from uh, companies that you know uh, position this as a a, a a a line that we should not cross we've crossed it we're now pushing for it what else does it do for us I mean is this just about saving money are we going to see this massive drop the US is going to see the uh, uh, GDP number that everybody quotes is 18 percent now it's going to fall back into
2: line with the rest of the world well it, it, I wouldn't it be an incredible thing if uh, as for the rest of the world's healthcare expenditure continues to go up, ours actually comes down. I mean, think of the resources that we would unleash to pay people more money, uh, to invest in more productive industries, uh, to invest in in things other than healthcare, our our schools, our roads, and so on, vital public infrastructure needs. I actually think healthcare is a drag on the overall economy. If if we could get the same or better healthcare for less money, um that would turbocharge the american economy which which runs reasonably well in almost all the other sectors so i'm i'm bullish on that
1: i i i've got to agree i would love to see that chart because that would be for for one time i could be proud to demonstrate the uh, positioning of the u.s healthcare system when it comes to pricing we just seem to be always at the uh, the outlier um as you think about it, I, you know, I know you've talked about some of the, the the value proposition, but this is not just about money. I think this data delivers a, a smarter, kinder uh, yeah. care system. Why is that? What is it that's contributing to that kinder element? Because that's the thing that people associate. We all want it to be less costly, but we also want it to be compassionate care.
2: Yeah, Lee Hood, um, who is the founder of the Institute for Systems Biology in Seattle has has coined this this term P4 medicine. Have have you heard of that before Nick? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so uh, predictive, uh, personalized, proactive and um, participatory. Uh, So I, and I think he's right that um, we're on the The cusp of a new approach to medicine, you know, today 97% of what we spend is on treatment and 3% is on prevention. But what we're learning on the genetic side and what is true about chronic disease is it really lends itself to much earlier diagnosis and intervention. And I believe that by doing longitudinal studies with full genomic, epigenomic, and proteomic profiling, that we will start to see pre-pre-disease markers that will tell you, for example, four or five years in advance, you're gonna have this cancer or this type of heart disease or Alzheimer's unless you do something. Um, so uh, I what's also driving this, so we've talked a lot about the business models and so on, but I believe that this genetic knowledge and um, moving it much higher up into the preventive care cycle will dramatically improve the quality of lives. And that's all gotta be data-driven. So it's gotta be personalized. We gotta know what medicine works specifically for your genome, um, what types of sleep patterns are best for you, what type of food is best for you. And we're on the cusp of being able to do that for everybody in the country. So be a brand new day.
1: An exciting day that saves money, delivers better, more personalized care and does it in a way that is kinder with data liquidity that's uh, liberated
2: data as you describe it. It's It's been wonderful, Nick. I've enjoyed the conversation.
1: Two significant changes took place in the last several months, but that has got lost as our focus was taken with navigating the pandemic and the downstream impact that it's had on all of us personally and professionally. New interoperability regulations have arrived, requiring the sharing of basic electronic medical record data alongside price transparency. No more secret deals, kickbacks and refunds with multi-tiered pricing, at least not without others able to see. This new data liquidity will open up the monopolies and monopsonies. Your better pill to swallow as we all march towards better healthcare with a vibrant healthcare marketplace exchange, is to embrace price transparency and data sharing, which are now part of the norm in healthcare. That train has left the station. If your future is dependent on secret pricing with limited market competitiveness, you will be disrupted. A bright future awaits those who embrace the change in a new competitive marketplace with informed consumers who will be seeking innovative partners for their extended wellness journey. Thanks for joining me, your host, Dr. Nick, on this week's edition of Healthcare Upside Down. Until next week, keep solving the business of healthcare as if your life depended on it, as one day soon, it will.
0: That's all the time we have for today. You can find all of our episodes on your favorite listening platform by searching for Healthcare Now Radio. Also, check out our blog at ecgmc.com slash hud for summaries and commentary from each episode. Follow our show's social hashtag, HCUpsideDown. And join us each week as we work to solve the business of healthcare for everyone.